Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Glad that you're an amening kind of church. I grew up in an amening church. Anybody else? You know what I'm talking about. I grew up in a little bit wilder than that. Um, I won't tell you how wild, but it was wilder than amen. Everybody. So, for some, there's all different types, you know. And and uh, it, there, there's somebody. Yeah. Um, but uh, glad that you are. I want you to lean into this message series. If you're new to our church family, always just kind of uh, like to set up on the first week of a new series. So today's kind of a foundational message over the next three or four weeks. Uh, I'll be bringing this series called It's Not You, It's Me. Everybody say, it's not you, it's me. Look at whoever you came to church with, look them right in the eyes and say, it's not you, it's me, it's me, it's me. Look at the other person, your second choice on the other side and go, it's not you, it's still me. I'm still the problem. Around this time every year, around February every year, I'm always going to bring you uh, a series on relationships, and uh, I am more of a preacher than I am a teacher. I just have to confess that to you. Uh, it is It fits my personality and style more, but I'm going to try to slow down over the next couple of weeks, and can I teach you God's Word, everybody? Will you, will you receive that over the next couple of weeks if I just teach you God's Word, and we get better together, everybody? I always like to talk about relationships in this time, and Marriages. Where's all my married people at? Where are you at? Good. If you, some of you need to ask and make sure, you know, are we, that still us? Are we <laughs> all the single people? Yep. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're afraid I'm gonna make you meet each other, aren't you? Yeah. All the dating folk, don't don't holler if you're dating because you don't know how official it really is, you know. And so, um, okay. I know that voice. That's a good move. I'm, I'm happy to hear that, Luke. That's a good move. These Februaries are paying off. This has got to be your fifth or sixth one, so it's working for you, son. It's working for you. I could give an altar call right now. That's, that's all I needed was that. I want to help you if it's complicated. Maybe you don't know what kind of relationship you got going, you know. You think, man, I don't know kind of where we are. It's complicated. Maybe you're single again. Maybe you're divorced, maybe, maybe uh, life has not been the kindest and, and your relationship you're currently in is struggling and I just, I want to help you through all of that. I always do in this season and in this series. I want to help students make good decisions. Uh, I think, I, honestly, I think uh, young people ought to hear about God's way for sex and marriage and dating in God's house before they hear it from anybody else. Can I get a better amen to everybody? I think they ought to know God's plan before they get the plan that the world has for them. And so in praying about this series, because I knew obviously the season was approaching, in praying about this series, I really said, God, how do I say, you know, this is hard on a preacher. Because, I, I, you know, I, it's the same, I'm preaching the same content uh, every year around this same theme. And I said, God, how, give me something fresh. And I want to be able to bless the people and, and, and open our hearts to how you want to change us. And honestly, I've... Um, I've been praying around this subject for some time, and I felt like uh, I felt like I, I needed to remind you um, that we 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 live in this culture. And the past three years, honestly, we've gone through. We are in the middle of a cultural revolution. You don't have to agree with that for it to be true. We are in the middle of a cultural revolution in Western civilization, and part of that cultural uh, revolution is uh, that uh, we we have created a litigious, offended society 
where uh, you blame everyone else for whatever it is that's wrong with you. Are you there, everybody? Are you there, everybody? I don't have time to teach it to you. I will, though. I'm actually working on a message series for later in the year. It's actually rooted in, in critical theory. And uh, the, the, the premise of critical theory are there's only two types of people in the world. There are uh, the oppressed and the oppressors. And so you have to decide which one you are. So we've created a whole generation. We've told them that you're either uh, currently the bad guy oppressing people or you're the victim being oppressed. But in the kingdom, we are neither one, everybody. Matter of fact, that that matter of fact, that's a demonic spirit. I think's loosed in Western civilization to change our culture. That is not who God's called us to be. Can I get a better amen? A kingdom language says this: I'm looking on the inside. I need God to change me. I don't. I don't care if He changes you. I want God to change my life. I need God to work in my heart. I need God to make me better. I don't need to be a better me. I need to be a brand new me. And if I'll show up being the best me that God's called me to be, then everything else in my life gets better. Can I get a good amen there? Write it down like this. I hope that you're taking notes. This is the kind of series to take notes. By the way, I always tell you there's, there's certain series of the year you can bring your friends to. Not that I shouldn't, you shouldn't bring them all the time, but there's just certain times of the year I think, man, this is the one, you know, this is the kind. And from now to Easter Sunday, I'm telling you, I'm preaching this series right now, leading into Easter, uh, and, and really right after Easter, uh, I, I feel like God's given me uh, messages that are going to reach people who are far from God. And so if you have somebody in your life uh, that you've been waiting to invite them to church or praying that God would speak to them, Here's the kind of series. This is the right season to bring somebody to church with you. So the next couple of weeks will do that. If you're taking notes, write this down like this. Here's sort of the premise that I want you to, 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 uh, um, to center around today. I don't do a lot of marriage counseling because I'm not a counselor. All right, everybody? Uh, I remind couples of that when they want to meet with me. When they, when they email Julie and say, can we meet with pastor? We need counseling. Uh, I always tell her to tell y'all, I'm not a counselor. All right? Now, you can meet with me as a pastor. I'm just going to tell you whatever the book says, and then I'm going to refer you to some good Christian counselors that we have that work with our church family. But when I meet with couples all the time, I, I, always, I always say this. This is sort of the generic thing. I, I walk into every situation, whether it's a dating, a single, a, especially marriage problems, is there's no such thing as relationship problems. Matter of fact, write it down like this. All relationship problems are people problems. There's no such thing as, well, we've, we've got marriage problems. No, marriage as an institution isn't a problem. It doesn't have the ability to have problems, all right? Are you with me, everybody? The covenant between you and your spouse and God, that there isn't, a, that there isn't it can't have a problem. But what can have a problem is two single people that get married with their problems and they haven't dealt with their issues and now we got issues inside this marriage and we're blaming marriage problems but we really have people problems. Look straight ahead and try your very best not to elbow your spouse or anybody you came to church with during this series, all right? But people have problems. People have tons of problems. You look around your life. You look around your relationships. You ever walk into the office and go, you people got problems. I don't because I work at the church, but other people that work at different places, I look around going, man, you people got problems. You ever walk into a family reunion and think, you people have problems. 
I may not even, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm not adopted. There's no way I can really be part of this family, everybody. Some of you, you don't even wait till the family reunion. You just walk into your own house and go, I got to be adopted into this family. I don't even think these people are really my relatives. They got issues and problems and so many problems in our life. You, maybe you have problems in your marriage or problems in your family or problems with a team that you're on at work or a team that you're on at church or, 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 or people have problems in churches. I'm, I've always, I find it interesting when people say, man, that church has problems. Churches don't have problems or they say things like, I've got church hurt. Churches don't hurt people. People hurt people. There's no such thing as church hurt. There's just people who attend church who hurt people. Can I get a better amen? I think I'll lean into that since I decided to go there. And by the way, just because people in church hurt you doesn't mean that all churches hurt people. Just because you have a rude cashier at H-E-B doesn't mean H-E-B here everything's better. Can I, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, not, I'm still going to buy groceries just because I had a rude cashier. I'm still going to Chick-fil-A and getting Jesus chicken whether or not my, the girl says it's my pleasure or not. It doesn't matter. I'm still going to church even though there are people at church with problems. Say amen to that, everybody. I'm not giving up on what Jesus has bought and paid for with his life just because people have problems there. But people have problems everywhere. Everywhere, a small group that you're in, the office that you're in, the family that you're in, the marriage that you're in, the friendships that you're in. You're looking around thinking, man, these people have problems, and I don't know, and i got problems in this relationship, and I wish it would get better. Here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is you have power to change your relationships. You have power to change every relationship in your life, but it's not going to come with your finger pointed at they're the problem. He's the issue. If he would just pick up his dirty clothes, I cannot figure it out. He can put his golf bag where it goes, but he can't put his drawers where they go. Drawers, I'm from the deep south. Do you all know what that is? He, she can't, uh, they got, pro- as long as you're looking at them, you're going to have problems. At some point you have to go, it's not you, it's me. It's me. I got to get better. Write it down like this, the relationships that you have. The relationships in your life are a combination of things that you have created and what you have allowed. Underline those two words in your notes. Every relationship I have is a combination of what I've created and what I've allowed. Every relationship I have is a combination of what I've created and what I've allowed. Where's all my parents at? All the parents? Good. You're too tired to even woo. Sometimes you ever look at your kids and realize you created the system that you're mad that they operate in? Anybody know what I'm talking about there? If you don't have kids, you don't get to be tired. By the way, don't tell me you're tired. If you don't have kids, you're not tired yet. There's a new tired coming. Just hang on for that. <laughs> you don't get to be exhausted till you have kids. And then, and there's times when Brandy and I, my, my, uh, one of my uh, children were in first service, so I couldn't tell a ton of kid stories, but they're not here this service, so I get to tell all my kid stories. But th- there are times when Brandy and I will look at each other, and honestly, we know that what we're allowing shouldn't be, but I'm just too tired to tell you again. Fine, burn it down. I don't care. Just play with matches. (laughs) Play with matches, son. See what happens. I don't know, man. Daddy's too tired. Just do whatever you want to do. 
You want to drive the car, drive the car. I don't care. I'm too tired. I've told you no. I don't know what else to tell you. You know what I'm saying? And then you get upset about the result, and then you realize, you look at yourself and go, I found the enemy, and it's me. I'm the problem. I created this. I allowed this. There are certain situations in your life where you're allowing people to talk to you and allowing people to pout in your relationships and you're creating patterns and unhealthy patterns in your marriage with your parents and your siblings, with your friends, with your boss, with your kids. And if you don't like what you have, you're going to de- decide at some point in your life, if you don't, I don't like this relationship, I don't like what I'm getting, you're going to have to change what you expect out of people and what you accept from people. Otherwise, you're going to keep getting what you've always got. You're going to keep the relationship you've always had. If you don't like what you had, if you want to expect something better, something gets better. I'm not going to allow you to lose your temper like that. I'm not going to allow you to throw a fit like that. I'm not going to allow you to do that. I love you, but I'm not going to let you throw guilt and heap all this shame on me. I know it hurts, but I love you, and I'm not going to bail you out this time. Some mamas and daddies need to hear this. Some siblings need to hear this. Some children need to hear this about your parents. It is not your job to bail them out of a situation they got themselves into every time. Sometimes you have to decide the reason they're so dependent on you is because you've created a system of codependency. And if I want something different, I got to do something different. Are you still there? I got to decide. I've created this. I've allowed this. I got to decide. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. We're going to change some stuff here. Here's what I know. I know that you can look at people and think, man, they're the problem. They're what's going on. But I know this about you because it's true about me that when people are hurt, they hurt people. I said like this, hurt people hurt people. Right? Broken people break things. They break relationships they're in. They break trust that they're in. They, 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 they hurt you because they're hurting on the inside. And so you have this perpetuation of this dysfunctional relationship. Now look into my eyes all over the room because I want to help you today. If you're sitting here thinking, man, Pastor, I don't know who you're talking about. Man, I mean, things are pretty good, honestly. We got a good marriage and I got good kids and I kind of like my office. I like where I work and I, 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 don't, I don't really know what you're talking about. Look at me. If you can't think of the difficult person in your life, You're the person we're all thinking of. (laughs) If you can't look around your life and find the problem person, you're the problem person. If you can't look around and think, they're the controlling one. You may be the control. How many of you know controlling people? You know anybody who's controlled? Some of you, they just lifted your hands for you, you know. (laughs) You tell them. Manipulative people. If you don't do it my way, I pout. Just look straight ahead. Come on. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't do it the way I like you to do it, I'm, I'm a, I'll manipulate a lot of tears and a lot of crying and a lot of drama. Some people create drama because it's the only place they feel safe. They were raised in chaos. They only know chaos. They equate love with chaos. And so, if everything's going good, they'll create chaos just so they can feel stable. And, 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 and we're broken on the inside. How many of you know overly needy people, people that just need to? I call these relational vampires, everybody. Just when you're with them, they suck the life out of you. You know what I'm trying to say there? They just, you just, just don't point at anybody, dear God. You just, they just, none of y'all, but in first service, there are people that just suck the life. You just, 
and you see them coming and you think, oh, God, you just shrivel back and you just, and you just come down the office and you think, here they come again and I'm going to have to. People have problems. Problem people are people with problems and they come in all shapes and sizes. They come with histories. They come with family of origin issues. They come with hurt. They come with rejection. They come with insecurities. They come with our own personalities. They come with our character flaws. Listen to me. And God put all of us together in one big jumble and said, good luck. God put all of that brokenness together. And he didn't just say good luck. He said, I'm going to give you a command to how to deal with hurt, difficult, challenging, controlling, manipulative, needy people. John 13, 34, Jesus said, I got a new commandment to give you. Love each other. Some of you are thinking, I can't love them. I don't even like them. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, by this, underline that phrase in your Bible. By this, everyone will know that you're my, say the word disciple. Everyone will know you follow Jesus by how you treat difficult people. Everyone will know how, listen to me, let me give you a defining characteristic in the coming cultural revolution. I'm not, I'm not an activist kind of preacher, I'm not a cultural kind of preacher like that, but I have to raise my voice in a season like this because I think we're at a precipice in, this, in our civilization. I have to raise my voice. Let me tell you what will distinguish the people of God from the people of the world is that we're not aggressive, constantly fighting. We are love. We, we care for people. We are compassionate to people. We aren't fighting all the time. Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Shout amen to that. Getting relationships right is a hallmark of the disciple of Jesus. It's a, it's a hallmark in the life of a disciple. There are going to be people on your job site who their marriage is broken and they're going to look to you. And the only reason they're interested in your God is because your marriage is healthy. And before they know your theology, they want to know, why is it that you have, how did, how did you fix this? How do you handle inter-office relationships like this? How do you have friendships that are so deep? How is your marriage so healthy? How do your kids love coming home? It's one of the, matter of fact, we only have one parenting goal. You'll never hear a parenting message from me. I got about 10 more years before my youngest gets out of the house. So you got to wait 10 more years before I preach a parenting message. That's just not where I, I ain't talking about it, okay, till I'm done with it. And then I'm just going to tell you sad stories, you know what I mean? And But... But listen, we've decided that the, we have one goal in raising our children. Look at me, one goal, one. We don't have 10, we don't have 12 value, we don't have 37 points that we'd love to, we have one goal. When my kids are out of the house and don't have to be around us, they want to. That's the goal. Is that when they leave and don't have to be in our world, they don't have to be in church, they don't have to love God, they don't have to come serve, they don't have, that they want to. That when they don't have to sit at my table, when they don't have to sit on the couch with me, when they don't have to be in my that they want. That's the goal. And there are going to be defining characteristics as the world gets darker and darker. The defining characteristic of the people of God is, how do you love each other like that? How do you have healthy families like that? How, listen, it's not about being right all the time. It's about being humble in your life. It's not about fighting on Facebook. It's about being open to others' opinions. It's not about being emotionally unstable all the time. The people of God ought to be grounded in their life. It's not about being negative. Listen, this world is full of negativity and gossiping and backbiting. 
The people of God ought to find agreement and alignment in the house of God. Not critical of everything and everybody. They ought to be involved and solution-oriented. Are you with me, everybody? You'll, you'll be note, the world will know you're a disciple of Jesus. How you handle relationships. How love shows up in your life. And all of these relationship problems, all these things that we brought in, they've, been, they've altered and changed over the years. And I know what you would tell me. You'd tell me, you know what, Pastor? There's nothing new under the sun. We've always kind of been this way. And, and, I, and I would agree with you to a point that there's no, there's no new sin, there's no, there's no new attitude, no new spirit. But I will tell you this. The enemy has new schemes that he's never used before. All right? I do think there are new plans and new schemes. And especially as we approach the coming of the Lord, I think it's ramped up. I think the last couple of years it's ramped up. And I think that our generation, where we're currently in as a, as a culture and as a civilization, I think we're dealing with relational problems that maybe no other generation has had. I think we have issues that no other generation before us. And I just want to make the case in the next 15 minutes before I let you go. I'll preach the next couple of weeks. I promise you come back. I'll tell funny stories. It'll be amazing. I'll talk about critical people and I'll talk about negative people. I'm going to help us all get better. But i got to lay a foundation today of why it's you and not them why we have problems can I help us today say amen are you still there say amen I want to lay this foundation I think technology has changed our relationships and I don't think it's changed it for the better now, this is not an anti-technology message we use it. as a matter of fact we're using it right now to broadcast the gospel I'm I'm pro-tech I'm pro, I was a kid of the 80s and 90s come on everybody I survived the Oregon Trail are you with me Y'all my people. We didn't die of dysentery. You know what I'm saying? We're here. Listen to me. But we're raising digital natives. And I think if we're, if we're not protective, if we don't guard our hearts and our minds, and we don't get a biblical worldview on relationships, a biblical worldview on relationships, that we are raising a generation that we're not gonna, we don't want the harvest of the seed that we're planting. And 20 years from now, it's... If, if in three years we can tell people you're safer at home and alone than we are with other people, imagine what happens in 13 years or 30 years from now. we got to fix this. Let me give you a couple. Of, I'm going to give you three things I think that has changed our relationships. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, the word friend has evolved. Over the last 20 years, 25 years, the word friend is evolving. I was doing research for this message, reading for this message for you. And uh, I, I was talking about digital natives and the word friend and how the word friend and the word follower are used. Have you ever met an online friend that knows more about you than you're comfortable with them knowing? Anybody know what I mean by that? I, 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 there's somebody wrote me not, not long ago, and they were in Michigan. If you're watching today, I'm glad that you're there. But you're a little, you're, you freak me out a little bit because this person online wrote me and said, Hey, uh, Pastor, I love the you know message and whatever, and I heard the deal. And by the way... Where did y'all get that house that you went to on vacation? Time out. I'm good with you watching this message. I love you. Don't be looking at where I'm staying with my family. Are you with me? Have you ever met somebody online and they know more about you than they should know? Because our digital connectivity has convinced them that they're closer than they really should be to you. And that they really are to you. They know more. They know. They ask about your children. You're like you've never met my kids. 
they ask about relationships. You're like, you don't even know my relationships. How do, how do you know this? It's because the word friend is evolving. And, 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 and we, we have this new way of describing friendships in our lives. I was reading for this message. The, uh, the average adult Facebook user in 2022 had 338 friends. The average adult Facebook user in America had 338 friends on Facebook and 150 uh, Instagram followers. 338 friends, 150 Instagram followers. Same exact survey, the average American who said they had 338 friends on Facebook and 150 Instagram followers said they only had two close friends. And 40% of respondents who had almost 500 online friends, 40% of them said they have not one close best friend. But we use this language to describe these strangers we have digitally. Are you following me, everybody? And we're distorting what it means to really be a friend. We're evolving in what it means to really be connected to humans and connected to people. We spend plenty of time online, but we have limited personal intimacy. I've taught you this before, but your grandparents had big front porches and small backyards, and we have big backyards and no front porches. Right? Because in the backyard, it's, I get to be back. I don't want y'all looking over my backyard. I don't want you peeping into my yard. This is my backyard. This is where I hang out. This is where I got my solo stove. Are you with me, everybody? This is where I do my thing. I don't, nobody comes back. This is where my kids are. I go out the front door. I'm looking suspicious at all the neighbors. What you looking at? You on the HOA, ain't you? I know you are. You talking about my trash cans. I'm with you. Right? Y'all act like you don't do this. But our grandparents had big front porches they sat on in the evening and their backyards were small and they built community. You and I don't do this. We don't build this friendship. The word friend is evolving. We are more connected than we have ever been and more lonely than we have ever been. We are more in touch and more out of touch than we've ever been. We have access and no heart change. We have connectivity to people. People uh, all around the world say, no, I'm friends with them. And we don't have anybody to turn to when life gets difficult. Uh, the word friend is evolving. Let me give you the second thing that I think our generation is facing as it relates. The reason why it's me and not you is because this is a hard one. They, actually, they get harder as they go along. But this one's true and it's going to hurt. But we're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. Can I help us together? We're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. I need to know immediately if you like me. I need to, we're, it's what I call, if you're a psychologist, you can correct me after this service, but I've coined the phrase, it's what I call deferred loneliness. It's deferred loneliness. It's where, I, so that I don't feel lonely in the moment, as long as you like me digitally, as long as we're connected, I feel like I have friends, but the loneliness creeps in when I realize you're just an online friend that I don't really have or you didn't. And there's this deferred loneliness. We are addicted to immediate affirmation and instant gratification. Scientists are telling us that you get the same hit of dopamine when you get a like on Instagram that you get when you get a physical hug. Same hit of dopamine in your mind. Same, you get the same, the brain stimulates the reward center the same on a, as a like on Instagram as a physical hug from a person. Everybody, we got problems. 
we got problems with in, intimacy and connectivity and 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 now and and now we 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 we're addicted to this immediate affirmation listen not long ago you had to actually tell people the next day what you ate for dinner last night you had to go to the office and they said what'd you have for dinner and you said meatloaf and they said was it good and you said no, it was meatloaf. No, it's terrible. No. Now, when they get to the office, they go, boy, that meatloaf you posted last night looked terrible. <laughs> right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody, anybody in relationship with somebody that when the plate comes out, the phone does this? Look straight ahead, women. Look at me. This is the pose of, a picture of my plate so I can tell everybody what I'm eating. And, and I want everybody, I don't just want you to see it. Listen to me. I don't just want you to see it. I want to know if you like it. And we're addicted to the immediate affirmation. Do they like me? Did he like my post? Why didn't he like my post? I don't know where they went. I could have swore. I know they're seeing my post. Is she following me? She's following me. Did they block me? Why did they block me? Where are they at on that? I know they see my stuff. Why are they not? You, love, you remember the old game we used to play with the flowers and he loves me. He hates me. Except we do that a hundred times a day opening up our apps and go, he loves me. He hates me. He loves me. He hates me. She loves they're, they're friends. We're not friends. We're connected. We're not connected. Everybody, we're addicted to immediate affirmation. Affirmation. And so you put expectations on people to affirm you that God never meant for you to have because your value and worth doesn't come for whether they like you or not. Your value and intricate, the value on the inside of you comes from who God says that you are and the call of God on your life. But we're addicted to... I, I, you can't be addicted to immediate affirmation because it destroys you when you don't get it fast enough. Now you're dealing with self-esteem issue. Now you're creating unreal expectation of others to make you feel important. Look at me. Listen to me. If you're under the age of 40 years old, look into my eyes. It is no one else's job to make you feel loved. You are looking for something only God can give you. We got problems. We got problems. We're addicted to this immediate affirmation in our life. And I'm just going to tell you, this is the hardest thing I'll tell you all day. You write this one down and you're going to have to circle it and put it on a post-it note and put it on your mirror. This is going to be tough. Buckle up. Are you ready? People-pleasing is a form of idolatry. And, and there are Christians in church today that would say, man, I'll never worship anything else. But you worship the opinion and approval of others more than you do God's thoughts. And brothers and sisters, that is the definition of idolatry. It's putting anything else. It's people pleasing. It's saying, I want, my, I want to make sure you like me. I want to make sure you agree with my position. I want to know what you think. And we live in these echo chambers. And the echo chambers have gotten louder over the last three years in this cultural revolution we're in. Where you only hang out with people like you, that talk like you, think like you, vote like you, look like you, believe like you, have the same opinion as you. And now we got relationship problems that really aren't relationship problems. They're people problems. Because I'm addicted to the affirmation you give me. Are you still there, everybody? This is a hard one. This is a hard one. Number three, we're addicted to, we're addicted to instant and immediate affirmation. Number three, we have the power to do relationships on our own terms. 
I'm just giving you the reasons why you need this series. I'm just giving you the setup for the next couple of weeks. Because I'm going to talk uh, in a couple of weeks about uh, if you're a controlling person, how to let go. Uh, if, you, if you're a manipulative person, how to let go. If you're dealing with a needy person, how, 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 what, how do you fix these relationships? I'm going to help us get better because when I get better, everything gets better. Say amen to that. When I get better, my relationship gets better. When I get better, my marriage gets better. When I get better, my leadership gets better. When I get better, my parenting gets better. When I get better, every relationship in my life gets better. But I gotta give you, I gotta give you some foundational work today. That we, one of the problems we have is we have the power to do relationships on our own terms. Look at me. You can't define something that you didn't create. We're in a culture that's trying to redefine things they didn't create. The government didn't create marriage. It can't define it. God does. The, the state, the, gov- the school, science, your doctor didn't create gender. God did. You, we can't define what God created. You don't get to name it just because you changed it. God has a plan for it. Are you with me, everybody? We, get to, we think we can define relationships on our own terms. We don't get to do that. We don't get to say, I'll punish you based on how I feel. Well, you know what? I don't like this preaching. I don't even like it. He spits a lot, and he's a little uh, abrasive. I'm not coming to church here anymore. I've got choices, and I'm not coming here anymore. I, I don't like you. I'm unfollowing them. My, my favorite button on social media is snooze. Do you know about this? This is good. It's where you still get to follow, but you don't have to see nothing, you know? I don't like how you said that. I don't like... I, here's one. All the manipulative people look straight ahead. Y'all married people, y'all better look at me. We use it in text message. They send you a text and you say, I'm just going to let it sit there a while. I'm not going to respond to that yet. Why? Because you don't value relationship. And you're using this manipulative tool to define relationships on your own terms. Let me let, let, I'll like this picture if I want to, but I'm not going to like that other one. I'll comment sometimes and not other. I'll follow and unfollow, follow and unfollow, follow and unfollow. <laughs> Technology and cultural pressure is, is it, listen, it is creating an emotional black hole in us. Listen, and no matter what we do, I'm telling you, if we're not careful as a generation, we're becoming this emotional black hole that no matter what a church offers, no matter what a husband offers, no matter what a wife offers, no matter what a friend offers, people just want more attention. And we're trying to define relationships on our own terms. It, and that's not God's plan. You don't get to define something God created. So the next couple of weeks, I want to help me get better. I want to help you get better. I, I, I want to help us all get, I want you to be a better husband. I want, the reason why I got to teach this, and I can't preach what I want to preach, so come in March, I'm telling preaching faith. I love it. I love preaching that kind of stuff. I, I, I love in, in, in Easter season, I love that kind of stuff. But the reason I got to teach you this stuff, because I want you to be a better wife, and I want you to be a better mother, and I want you to be a better employee, and I want you to be a better business owner. I want you to, I want relationships to get better in your life. So I'm going to give you some practical ways. Come play the slow music so they think I'm closing. Look at that. Right on cue. That's why you need to be on the dream team, by the way. I love that. Number one, write this in your notes. I'm going to give you an antidote 
I'm going to give you the antidote to our culture's definition of relationship. Here, this is the big idea today. I know it's just foundational, but here's the big idea. Number one, you got to be present. You got to be present. Early in my ministry, I'm, I'm embarking on my 24th year, almost 23 years of, of vocational ministry. And um, early in my ministry, I would ignorantly say things like, you know, it doesn't count just to show up, or you don't, and I was young. And the longer I do ministry, the more I realize it really does count to just show up sometimes. Like there's something about presence. There's something about just showing up. I'm, I'm going to love people face-to-face, everybody, face-to-face, not thumbs-to-thumbs, face-to-face. If you're married, belly-button-to-belly-button. Come on, somebody. If you're married, comma, face-to-face. This is true in my life. Not long ago, Brandon and I had the opportunity to go to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Como se dice, sunshine. <laughs> Middle of the winter, we were super excited about it. We'd had passports, and I was already packing short shorts and long socks. And going to Mexico and my best friend of the last 20 years his spiritual father father figure in his life been, been like a father to him suddenly passed away in Houston and so I selfishly begin to pray God don't let the funeral be in Mexico God don't let it be the same week God don't same week <laughs> the day we were supposed to fly out to Puerto Vallarta the funeral in Jackson Mississippi so I canceled the flights and apologized to my wife. Got in my truck. I drove 10 hours one way in the rain to Jackson, Mississippi. Huge church. Lots of people there. My closest friend, he's helping. He's, he's in ministry. He's, he's helping arrange the funeral. He's super busy. I get in at midnight. He happens to be checking in the hotel the same time I am. I hug him. We, we literally spend 30 seconds together in the hotel lobby. I hug him. He cries and says, thanks for coming. I go to bed. I go to the funeral. I drive 10 hours home. Never saw him again. Didn't didn't need anything else. Listen, he didn't need a text message. He needed me to be present. Present. Romans 12 and 9 says, don't just pretend to love others. I love this translation. Roman 12 and 9 in the New Living Translation, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. (laughs) Don't just pretend to love people in your small group. Don't just pretend to love people on your job. Don't just pretend to love people in this church. Love them. Love each other with, verse 10, love each other with genuine affection. I love how Paul takes time to talk about the difference. Love each other with genuine effect. Take delight in honoring each other. There's a principle we don't talk about in culture enough. Honoring each other. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. You got a friend who's hurting? You can text them. That's okay. You can call them. That's better. But there's something about being present. 
And I'm calling the people of God in this church family, in this season where the world's telling you, just separate and do your own thing and jump in your corner. And, and as we're approaching an election cycle, and listen, everybody, I got, I got bad news and good news. It's going to get bad before it gets better, everybody. It's, it, culture is ramping up in that way, and they want to separate you. Let's be disciples of Jesus who decide, no, I'm going to be present and love people who aren't like me. Don't, that you, don't have to, you don't have to agree with me for us to be in relationship. I'm going to love people. I'm going to really care for people. This power of presence. There's a difference between praying for people and praying with people. When somebody in your job says, hey, uh, my wife was just diagnosed with cancer, would you pray for them? Don't say, yeah, man, we'll pray for them. Stop right there, take them by the hand, and ask God to do a miracle in their wife's life. That's difference making. Somebody stops you. Listen, that people stop doing this to Brandon and I and H-E-B because people catch me and they go, Pastor, would you pray for me? I go, yeah, come here. I'll open a bottle of Crisco and lay hands on you right there in the middle of... <laughs> Don't come to me in H-E-B. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you. We're in this together. I want, that's why church is so important. That's why gatherings like this. That's why a third service matters. That's why student ministry on Wednesday nights matters. That's why kids ministry matters. That's why men's breakfast this Saturday, all the men. This Saturday at 9 a.m., all the brothers. Yeah, 9 o'clock right here. That's why it matters. Because we need presence. Go to lunch with somebody. Today, lunch with people other people that you didn't come to church with that could be friends for you quit coming here going I don't know anybody I don't know I feel disconnected get connected find people look down your row so many people eat <laughs> just be present Here's the second thing, counterculture, and I'll, I'll pray for you and let you go. You got to be engaged. You got to be engaged. The difference in engagement and presence is presence shows up physically, engagement shows up with your heart. 1 Peter 4 and 8, most, most important of all, 1 Peter says, continue to show deep love for each other. Deep love. Don't be fully engaged. It's why I told you at the beginning of the year, I'll tell you again, give us a year of your life. I make no apology. I'm asking you for one year. Like you're right at the beginning of the year. Give me one whole year where you do everything. You come to men's ministry. You come to women's ministry. You join a small group. You start a small group. You come tonight to the welcome home night. Join a dream team. Serve twice a month. Tithe. Show up. Go to conference, men's conference, women's conference, students conference, kids camp. We all of it this year. Come to every bit of it. Do everything that we do for one year. And see at the end of the year if your life's not drastically better. And if it's not, I'll help you find another church. I really will. So far, I've never helped anybody find another church. Because when you go all, there's something about engagement. It's why I'd love to have you tonight. I think there's a few dozen, 30 or so people registered tonight to, to join the church, everybody. That's, made that amazing, everybody, in one month? To God be the glory. Listen, but we got space for you. I'd love to have you tonight. Not, not, not for numbers. I'd love to have you because I, I want to be your family. I, I want to connect you with humans. I want to show up when your father passes away. I want to hug your neck when your marriage is struggling. 
I want there to be somebody in a small group with you. I want there to be a team member. I know it looks like you're just serving in the nursery together, but when you're holding babies in those rockers in that room right there, you're forming deep bonds and spiritual family. That's what I want for you. It's engagement in your life. It's showing people. 1 John 3 and 18. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show that we do by how we live our lives. Don't just like something, do something. Don't just sit around blaming others, get involved. Don't rush out, bring a friend. Don't just come to Sunday, start a small group. Don't just show up and be a consumer, serve on a team. Just be, let's be countercultural. Amen, everybody? Let's just decide the world's way isn't working. I don't want what the world has in my relationships. I don't want the kind of marriage they have. I don't want to be the kind of parent they are. I don't want to be the kind of employee or employer they are. I want to be, I want to be different. And if we're going to stand different in this world, we're going to have to get relationships right. And it's not you. It's me. It's me. Bow your heads for prayer all over the house. Father, I thank you today for this church family. I thank you for how caring and loving and compassionate full of purpose I love this church I love the people in this church and God I'm just asking you for help in all of our relationships would you just be honest nobody's looking around would you be honest if you got a relationship that's struggling maybe on, with a child maybe in your office and your work and career maybe it's a marriage maybe it's a dating relationship but you got a relationship that's struggling would you just raise your hand and say, man, I need, I need prayer for this. I see you. I see your hands up everywhere. I need prayer for this. Father, I pray for every hand that's raised. These are, these are people who are struggling. Lives are hard. Things are difficult. Nobody wants to go to work and constantly be in stress. Nobody wants to go home and their marriage constantly be in shambles. No, no, nobody wants the anxiety of, of struggling with my parents or my children. So, Father, I pray for relationships. I pray for healing. God, I pray we wouldn't look on the outside. We wouldn't put, point the finger of blame. No, it's me. And I'm going to get better. No, I need help. I need to change me, my mind, my heart, my emotions, who I am. I need to change and get better. And if I'll get better, it'll get better. So, Father, I receive into my life grace today. Come on, ask God. God, give me grace in the areas of my life that, that I'm wrong. Give me mercy in areas where I've held others to higher standards I couldn't meet myself. God, help me in the unmet expectations in my life. Help me be a better husband to Brandy and a better father to Hazel and Henry and a better pastor to this church and leader to this staff. And God, I repent for all the times I've got it wrong. It's not them. It's me. God, I'm sorry for the critical nature, any negative thing, any controlling thing. Come on, whatever it is, you, you know, the Holy Spirit's telling you. God, uh, Holy Spirit, point your finger out in my heart, that area of my life. Maybe it's manipulation. Maybe it's codependency. Maybe it's, maybe it's critical. I have a critical spirit or negatives. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to point it out in my heart. I just ask you to make me better. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Help me. I want to get this right. I want the world to know I'm a disciple, a follower of Jesus. But how I do relationships, I want to get it right. I thank you for this season that we're in. I thank you for small group leaders. And thank you for new dream teamers. And thank you for this church family, this spiritual family we get to do life with. I give it to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody shout a big amen.
Amen. Do you receive the word of the Lord today, everybody? You receive it over your heart. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.